This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Monday, May 15th. Episode 93 of the A Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul Elliott. Happy uh, Mother's Day yeah. uh, to you, Paul. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there that listen. Well, I don't know how one, I, none, none of them listen, and two, uh, they'll be hearing this after Mother's Day. A belated Happy Mother's Day to the no mothers who listen to our podcast. What did, what did you do for Kate this morning? We celebrated yesterday, uh, and I bought her a um, an iced tea maker and uh, made her some iced tea. What's and, special about an iced tea maker? Uh, I it's similar to like a coffee pot, but it's uh, taller to allow like a pitcher to go underneath it. So yeah, and I took the kids while she drank iced tea in the backyard. Nice. Yep. How's it going? It's going well. Uh, I am pretty tired. Uh, had a wedding Saturday night, so got back uh, 1.30. MC to wedding. Yes, 1.30 this morning. Rehearsal dinner was Friday night, um, so pretty pretty tired. Uh, stayed up late to watch the Cubs-Yankees last Sunday, so this whole week has kind of been me being uh, uh, without sleep. Well, or enough sleep. I'll have to carry us in the energy department today. Uh, your specialty. <laughs> uh, this will be a shorter podcast. Uh, we have a Mother's Day celebration to attend. Uh, Starve Rock State Park here in mm-hmm. Illinois. Uh, we're going to go celebrate with our family. So a uh, shorter podcast. Um, that means no deep dive and no interview. Uh, but we still have a uh, listener goes to a game segment. Right. Matt from Minnesota went to a uh, Nationals game Saturday night, and uh, uh, Paul talked to him. So we'll we'll play that here in a little bit. We also have baseball on TV. It's a uh, it's a little more featured this week, uh, a little more prominent. We're going to do it later in the podcast, uh, and it's a bigger deal this week because Derek Jeter is the focus when he hosted in two thousand one, uh, hosted SNL uh, because it's SNL month. So we'll do kind of a, a longer. Uh, baseball TV segment, and then we still have uh, Sounds of the Game, TW, TW, and uh, Out of the Box. Uh, But first, our Nelly update, and it's Derek Jeter-themed. For those that don't know, Jeter is getting his number two retired Sunday night, Uh, so it will have already happened by the time you listen to this, Um, but uh, it's kind of been like Derek Jeter weekend or Derek Jeter week. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So Nelly, Jeter, their connection in 2001, for Derek Jeter's birthday, in uh, June of 2001, it was his 27th birthday, uh, Nelly hosted uh, his birthday party in Times Square, and there was over 2,000 attendees. Uh, George Steinbrenner uh, talked about that party later when the Yankees uh, weren't winning the World Series after they lost the 2001 World Series. Steinbrenner said, how much better would Jeter be if he didn't have all his other activities. I tell him this all the time. I say, Jeets, you can't be everything to everybody. You've got to focus on what's important. 
When I read in the paper that he's out until 3 a.m. in New York City going to a birthday party, I won't lie. That doesn't sit well with me. Wow. I for, did you remember that comment? Uh, not that specific one, but um, I mean, generally, Sam Brenner would just say stupid things. Yeah. I feel like I should remember that. Do you remember the Nelly Jeter birthday party? Were I, you Were you attending? I was not there, no. We were 11 at the time. Yeah. So th- 10. That was right around the World Series? or No, it was in June. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, so a quick banter segment before we do our uh, listener uh, goes to a game segment. Um, for me, uh, Harper versus Trout had some uh, interesting developments there this week. Trout is back on top of the war leaderboard. He's at 2.4 wins above replacement. According to Baseball Reference, his slash line is uh, ridiculous so far this year. Uh, 347 average, 441 on base, and a 711 slugging percentage. Uh, Harper is third in war behind Aaron Judge. Uh, Harper is at 2.2 wins above replacement. Uh, Harper signed a really weird contract Mm -hmm. on Saturday. So he's a free agent after 2018. So after next year, he becomes a free agent. He's going to get this huge deal, probably close to $400 million. Um, But he's got one year of uh, arbitration next year. And I'm not, you know, rock solid on how arbitration works. Maybe we can bring on a... Uh, legal expert next week to talk about it but um uh he he was going to get a lot in arbitration because it's based on comparable players in the past and kind of like the franchise tag in football a little bit so uh, he signed a contract to buy out that last year of arbitration for 21.65 million dollars and the motivation isn't really clear for why the nationals did it like harper did it because that was going to be more than what he was going to get at arbitration some people think it's the Nationals, you know, trying to set a good foundation for contract negotiations. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of just kind of weirdness. I mean, it's not like way more than he was going to get in arbitration, so it's not a huge deal, but it's just kind of an odd thing. Um, what did you make of the contract? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I think another factor that you didn't mention is Scott Boris is uh, Harper's uh, agent, and the Nationals and Boris have this weird sort of relationship where like Boris loves the Nationals. Uh, Strasburg is a Boris client. Matt Wieters, a Scott Boris client. Um, I think Max Scherzer is also a Boris client. And so I don't know if it's like Mike Rizzo and Boris get along really well, but it does seem like they sort of threw Boris a bone and gave him more than he would have made next year. And I would imagine they think they have a shot at, you know, signing him after the fact. Um, Although yeah. I all along it's sort of been assumed that the Nationals wouldn't be his long term destination, but maybe they do if they're willing to to shell out twenty one million for one season. Mm-hmm. I believe Jake Arrieta made he got fifteen million in arbitration last year, so I guess that would be a a point of reference. Hmm. Uh, so he signed that contract early on the day on Saturday, and then later in the day he did this. That ball is gashed out to center. See. You later. Nice day, Bryce Harper. A contract and a walk-off. That's Harper's fifth career walk-off homer and his second so far of uh, 2017. Um, Trout also had a good week. He is uh, back from injury after taking six days off. He homered on Friday and Saturday night. Uh, moving on, uh, <laughs> our... Uh, most depressing teams segment 
uh, last week, the Giants, Royals, or Jays, they all had pretty good weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jays have won four in a row, the Giants have won two in a row, and the Royals have won three in a row. Um, of those three, I think the Jays probably are the team that I would buy a little stock in. Yeah, they, they've won. I went back and looked. They've won four out of five series. So this has been a couple weeks now where they've played a little bit better. Yeah, people just overreact, I think, early in the year. Uh, you don't want to start as bad as they did, but uh, you can't give up on a season mm-hmm. so early. Yeah, the Giants have been still pretty atrocious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just won two in a row Friday and Saturday. Uh, lastly, my David Ross update. He is uh, still in Dancing with the Stars. He uh, has made the semifinals, which means it's the final four. So I assume uh, on uh, Monday's episode, they all four dance and then they just pick two and then they compete in the finals, maybe. So final four is in like four different couples of yes. dancers. Yep. Uh, I watched the, like the announcement just before we recorded. <laughs> Are you familiar with the hosts of Dancing with the Stars? Uh, in my head, it's always been the same guy that does The Bachelor, Chris. Uh, no, it's not. It's it's uh, the guy from America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh wow! And then uh, Aaron Andrews. Wow. At least on this episode, that's who it was. Uh, additional Ross update: He is releasing a uh, cereal brand, Grandpa Rossi Crunch. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's only sold uh, Jewel Osco, Chicago-based stores, and it goes along with the Rizzo cereal. Yeah, and, I thought the and, Rizzo and, thing was neat last year. Yeah. Have you ever had Rizzos? I haven't. Um, so I assume R- Rizzo cereal is more like a Honey Nut or a Honey Nut Cheerios. And then uh, this crunch is maybe like a raisin brand. It mm. didn't in the article. It didn't talk about the specific uh, cereal. I can guess that you'd be more inclined to eat the Rizzo <laughs> cereal than that's right. If you had to release a cereal, like what uh, what you know, a cereal it's a knockoff of a common brand cereal. What would you go with? Uh, mini wheats, because I feel like my personality is similar to a a frosted mini wheat. How's that? I'm a pretty simple guy. So that's like the the shredded wheat part. But then there's some interesting things about me, which is the frost, mm. frosting. Mm. What about you? Uh, I like life cereal. It's my favorite. So I do life. Hmm. You are all about life. Uh, anything else there? I Nope. Nothing else for me. A couple of things. I had uh, one Cubs related. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Pete, but Theo Epstein was on uh, a Chicago sports talk show earlier this week, and he was asked about uh, trading with the White Sox. This seems to be a perpetual media storyline, but he had an interesting thing to say. Well, it, it comes up because the Cubs and the White Sox would be good trading partners. White, so- White Sox have guys to deal, starting pitchers, and the Cubs need, and they have prospects. Sure. So like, if they weren't in the same city, they'd be like natural trade partners. But I feel like at this point, everyone is like, yeah, they're not opposed to talking to one another, but it's probably unrealistic that anything is going to get done. Anyways... The, the interesting thing he had to say is that the Cubs did have talks with the White Sox about Chris Sale last year. Mm-hmm. And he, here's the quote from Epstein. Uh, he said, we had a really quick conversation about Sale. It lasted about 30 seconds based on some of the names involved that he <laughs> that he would want, he being Rickon, and, and not prospects, but big league players. Oh, geez. So that led me to think, who do you think Rickon asked about for Chris Sale? Uh, Chris Bryant. <laughs> but like I which know. is funny because the Cubs have you know like they had minor league prospects that would have got the deal done I don't know Ian Happ Jimenez yeah 
you kind of have to give up all the top ones left in the minors. I think like the White Sox still aren't going kind of like on base, like good approach guys. Like they're, Mon- they're getting there. Moncada is kind of still like a bias type player. So that makes me think maybe they went like bias that route. Mm. Baez and Almora are like the classic White Sox, like yeah, potential guys. Would you have done Baez, Almora, and Hap for sale? Baez, Almora, and, oh, absolutely. You would have done that. Oh, absolutely. Oh. I don't think the Cubs would have. I, they're a lot higher on Baez than I am. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you're going to talk about this later, but uh, bringing up Makata now, you saw Makata play a minor league game this past Monday. What What'd you think? Yeah, uh, he went one for five. <laughs> You know, baseball is just a different sport when you go to see like a really good player because the best players in baseball still have overs or mm-hmm. one for five games as opposed to like basketball or football where the best players are typically the best player in every game. Mm-hmm. So it was it was kind of a downer. The The real bummer was Lucas Giolito started for the Sox and he was number eight ranked by MLB. Was that kind of a surprise that he started? Uh, it was for me. Um, but, uh, that will, his ranking will almost certainly change, uh, when MLB.com releases their next rankings. Um, I think he, he pitched five innings, gave up five runs, walked four guys, gave up a a ton of rockets. Um, so he, he didn't look great and that's kind of part of the course for him this year, but it was fun. It was still fun to go to Indy. Have you been to their park? Uh, I've not gone to a game. I just, I've seen it. It's a neat. Neat setup. Left center is, I think, four, four twenty. Wow. But yeah, still fun to go to a minor league game. Good crowd. No, White Sox fans did not turn out at all. <laughs> I think there were maybe, if I had to guess, like a hundred White Sox fans. How many fans total? Uh, maybe like three thousand. Wait, so oh, because the White Sox, this is an away game for them. Right. Yeah. They're, got it. Got they're it. Charlotte. Uh, the only other thing I had uh, a Tim Tebow update. Hmm. Um, some of you may have already seen this, but the Mets oh, are... let me preemptively... He's done well the last couple of weeks. He might get a promotion. That's correct. Um, Let's just give him a chance, says uh, Paul. <laughs> he he hasn't been a total flop. I think that's the storyline. Uh, he has a 330 on base percentage, um, has walked a little bit more than he did in mm. spring training. He still is striking out a ton, 29 strikeouts and 100 at-bats, and his power is still not great. Um, just the one home run. I think he's up to two now. <laughs> two homers and like five doubles and triples. Here's a headline for you. 29-year-old prospect struggling <laughs> at single A. No, he's not. A 330 on base percentage. He's slightly above average at single there A. There you go. My, my point is just that he hasn't been a total flop, which I think a lot of people were hoping for. Hmm. So um, That's correct. So that is a Tebow update. Um, that's all I had. He might, with the way the Mets are going, all the injuries, he might get some playing time. Uh, Curtis Granderson has been, we'll talk about him a little bit later. He has been uh, one of the worst players in baseball so far this year. All right. Uh, let's talk to Matt, who was at the Nationals game on Saturday night. He got to see the Bryce Harper walk-off that we referenced earlier, uh, but we talked to him, or I guess Paul talked to him in the sixth inning. Sixth inning, yep. Uh, so here is uh, Paul's conversation with Matt from Minnesota. All right, for the second week in a row, we are joined by uh, a listener. Joined live, oh, actually, oh, by a oh, listener. Oh. Okay, warning track, sorry. <laughs> We're joined by a, uh, a listener who's at a live Major League Baseball game. We're joined by Matt 
from Minnesota who's at a Washington Nationals game. Matt, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Paul. All right, uh, paint us a picture. Uh, you're at the Nationals game, but who are they playing? What's the score? What inning is it? Uh, so we're currently in the uh, bottom of the sixth. It is 4-4 against the uh, Phillies. Um, yeah, um, we tried to go to a game actually two days ago. They've had two days, two days in a row of uh, postponed games. They're going to see an Orioles game, but it was uh, postponed once we showed up at the stadium. And then last night, we actually didn't even try, but they postponed that one too. So they're finally getting the game in, which is good. Do you have a uh, like a favorite play or favorite thing that's happened so far in the game? So uh, I I don't remember who it was. It may have been um, it may have been Weeders. Um, but uh, there was a nice two run home run um, by uh, by the Nationals, and in the same inning they uh, walked um, Bryce Harper. And right after him, Zerman had a uh, two-run double. And so, you know, just goes to show what protection is and uh, why it's important. Because otherwise, uh, they wouldn't have uh, walked Bryce Harper if they'd known that. Yeah. What's the, uh, like, what's the stadium like? What's your take on, I assume this is your first time there. Uh, yeah, first first time. Um, I was discussing with, uh, I'm actually here with a lab mate. I'm here for a uh, a grad school conference the American Association of Immunologists. I just came back from the American Society for Gene and Cell Therapy Conference. So Sounds like a, sounds like a lively group. So we're, uh, we were just commenting, the two of us, that the stadium, I feel, could really have better location. You can see, if you're walking in the back section, you can see the Washington Memorial, but it's right in the Potomac, but you can't see the Potomac. And it's, you know near the mall-ish, but you can't see anything to the Washington Monument. So it seems like there's, you know, uh, vistas that are not being taken advantage of, but I don't know. Great view of hotels, though. Great view of hotels, yeah. uh, They're they're clearly gearing up for the 2018 All-Star Game. They already have signs all around, so uh, I'm sure that's that's part of the reason. But also, you guys went went to the game, right? You you guys went to to D.C. last year, Brother Road Trip? Yeah, we went uh, last year. And, uh, Did you see the Max Serzer creepy sign? <laughs> no, we we did see a lot of the All Star Game your stuff talking you're talking about, but no, we didn't see. It's a, a Max Serzer what? So, I think I'll have to download it off my camera and send it to the podcast because we're sitting in section 307 right now. So along the third base side, up you know three sections, and just under the W. Of the scoreboard is a, I don't know, probably 20 foot by 30 foot billboard against a stairwell of just Max, Max Serzer's eyes staring <laughs> at our whole section. And they're in color yeah. or uh, different colors, as you know. Yeah, that's uh, really uh, weird. That's yeah, a, it's a weird thing to zero in on from a marketing perspective, but. Um, I, I know you've been to Wrigley because uh, I w- went to a game with you, and I think you've been to Target Field, if I'm not wrong, in Minneapolis. Um, yeah. But I was, just, I was just curious where you think um, uh, the, the Nationals Park ranks among some of the other parks you've seen before. Yeah, so the only other park I've been to, so I was in Brewers, and then um, I think I said that. And then I was actually went to uh, the Great American Ballpark last week for another conference. 
it's a it's a fun thing to you know travel around for a conference and then get to go to a game. So I really liked I really liked uh, that stadium. I think this would probably be. I think it might be the lowest stadium. Well, that's not true. I went to U.S. Cellular as a kid, and I remember hating it. It was so far away. So, so sorry, sorry, Paul. Your socks are at the the bottom. But uh, I think this is probably the next after that. Yeah, no offense taken. I think that was, you know, sort of our assessment when we left last year was that it was, it was a fine park. Like it was convenient to get to and. Like there was nothing wrong with it per se, but there was also nothing. The metro rail is really easy. That that was really right. nice. I mean, I, I left left my conference, took the metro rail, didn't have any traffic, just got right here. So. Yeah. Um. Before uh, before I let you go, uh, I gotta ask uh, your uh, your avid Cubs fan, coming off a high from last year. Um. They've the Cubs have struggled a bit so far this year. Do you have uh? Do you have any hot takes on the Cubs or any thoughts? Uh, about the first month and a half of the season? I'd like to think that things will uh, level out. It's, uh, I mean, even in all the, the preseason talk, the starting pitching was a concern. And I think we've seen a lot of that this season. But, yeah, the whole NL Central has been really mediocre. It's, it is weird to see us that low in the uh, in the standings. Um, but I, I, uh, I'm on, on record with several people in my lab or, you know, around our home neighborhood, who I told, honestly, if we never win it again, that was enough for me. And I'm now having wow. to eat my words. So, uh, and I still think it's true, actually. I, I still, I'm fine being a level loser for the rest of my life after that, uh, after that season last year. Yeah, man, that would be, uh, that would be shocking, you know, with the core they have, but it's also probably the most likely or probable outcome just based on, I mean, obviously they hadn't won it for over 100 years, but it's really difficult to win a World Series. So, um, do you want to get a, do you want to get a statement from uh, my twins' uh, lab mate? Sure. Yeah. What uh, you said, Chris? This is Chris from uh, from Rochester, Minnesota. Hi guys. Thanks for having me. Hey Chris, what's going on? Do you do you have a a favorite baseball team? Um, I'm a Twins fan, and I kind of feel like uh, you never really leave Twins territory. Um, even if you're outside of Minnesota, so we're repping the Twins um, here. Well, Matt's repping the Cubs, but uh, yeah, Twins all the way. Yeah, I didn't ask about wardrobes. Are you guys both wearing like baseball hats and, and uh, like a Twins and a Cubs shirt, or are you guys just wearing your typical lab garb, whatever whatever that looks like? Baseball hats on. I had a Twins t-shirt on Thursday when we tried to get the game, and that got soaked in the process. So. Uh, Actually, packed several twin tank tops, thinking that DC weather would be a little better than Minnesota, and I was wrong. <laughs> um, what's your uh, What's your take on the park? Are you similar thoughts that Matt had? Probably like to echo what Matt said. It's like they have it's, it's got a lot of potential. It's not a terrible park, but I think uh, they could have done a lot better. Great scoreboard in the outfield. I think our seats um, we're in uh, the three hundreds, but we got a great view of the game. It's overall I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, so I, I don't have any complaints, but I think they could have been done better. I didn't. Uh, I didn't ask Matt this, but how would you uh, assess the Nationals fans? Are they pretty uh, into the game, or are they kind of zoning out? How, how would you say the fans are? So as far as attendance goes, um, there there are some open seats, but the fans that are here are uh, very excited. There there is a sizable amount of Phillies fans here. They're uh, they're noticeable in their cheering when they, when they do well. But yeah, the the Nats fans are are very much into the game. 
Nice. Well, uh, I appreciate you guys uh, jumping on, taking some time in the, the sixth or the seventh inning to, to chat with us. If you guys uh, hit up another conference in the near future and decide to attend a game, uh, we'll be sure to uh, to give you another call. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Uh, Matt, I'll give it back to Matt real quick. The one thing I did want to add, the president's race was all I dreamed it would be. It was hilarious. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like I remember watching not Sports Center, not Top Ten as a kid, of them like kicking each other out, and uh, it was it was great seeing uh, Teddy Roosevelt with his uh, with his, his monocle. So. Yeah, I remember for the most part the uh, like the environment and the stadium and like on field entertainment was pretty like apolitical. There wasn't a ton of stuff besides the definitely the true. Race. Definitely so. true. But they've had a huge um, in all the subways, huge advertising campaigns for the Nationals. Almost every uh, every billboard in the uh, Metro Rail subway is uh, is Nationals. So they're uh, they're definitely trying to get the city. Well, Matt, we appreciate you jumping on. As I told Chris, if you're uh, if you're at another conference in the near future and are at a baseball game, we'll be sure to give you another call. Yeah, you bet. Thanks so much, Paul. For Out of the Box this week, I read an article by Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer. Uh, on Tuesday of this week, he wrote an article entitled, As Home Run Rates Rise, MLB Offers Evidence That the Ball Isn't Juiced. Hmm. This is a very intriguing article. Um, a little bit of background. Uh in 2015, um, around the All-Star break, there seemed to be a pretty dramatic spike in home runs. Like overnight. It wasn't like right. a gradual thing. And it caused many people, including us, to speculate that maybe Major League Baseball had introduced a, a new ball that was um, like bouncier or just uh, would mean more home runs. And a lot of writers were saying that as well, including Lindbergh. It seemed like kind of the... Uh, the only explanation that made any sense given the, the overnight nature of the change. Last July, July of 2016, uh, Commissioner Manfred told a group of baseball writers that MLB had done extensive testing on the baseballs and found no changes, but he didn't offer any support or you know uh, release uh, any of the, the results from the testing. He just sort of asked people to take him at his word that, that baseball had done this testing and found no changes. Um, so since then, uh, Ben Lindbergh, who writes for the, the Ringer, has also written for ESPN and um, other sites in the past, he made different requests to Manfred and MLB to release those studies, uh, that research. And for whatever reason, this week, they finally complied with his request, and they, they allowed him to see the results, but um, asked that he not share them publicly. So again, we're... This is taking Lindbergh at his word, which I feel a little bit better about, or a lot better about than just Manfred. So as Lindbergh looked at the results, um, he came to the same conclusion that Major League Baseball did. Uh, there's no evidence whatsoever that um, the baseballs have changed. Um, they looked at uh, baseballs, 20 baseballs from five teams in 2015 and 2016, and came to this conclusion. Um, Lindbergh, in his article, talked to Alan Nathan, who um, also took a look at the research. Former podcast guest. Yeah, former podcast guest. Um, he had this quote, which I thought was telling. He said, uh, quite frankly, I was disappointed at the result because I was hoping I'd find something. Uh, I saw nothing in the data that was presented that suggests the ball has been altered at all. It's a puzzle. I can't explain it. 
I'm not more mystified than I was before, but I'm still mystified. Mm. So it seems like we can sort of throw out that um, conspiracy theory or yeah, throw it out I as mean, a conspiracy it's theory. It's interesting because Lindbergh and Nathan would bring a skeptical eye to the data to begin with. So if they're right. coming away saying, hey, like there's no evidence, then uh, it makes me think that there's actually no evidence. It's right, like, exactly. These guys aren't like MLB.com writers or people that are pro mm-hmm. uh, Manfred or, you know, I just think they're neutral. And right. so they, they bring kind of a skeptical eye to the data and they are coming away with this, these findings. That's like a big deal. Um, so, I mean, there's a ton of implications for this. The, the one interesting one that Lindbergh kind of throws out there is that, so, you know, strikeouts are at an all-time high. They keep increasing year after year. And the only thing that is keeping uh, scoring not at historic lows is home runs. And if, like, Manfred or Major League Baseball doesn't know why home runs are increasing, then, like, we could come to a year where all of a sudden home runs drop off again mm-hmm. or go back to an average, and we could have... Low scoring. Yeah, so there, if Manfred doesn't know why, then he doesn't. he can't really control that. And so, I don't know, we could see in a year or two... Uh, home runs dip and scoring dip again. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sort of at a loss too. Like if Alan Nathan can't figure it out and it's a puzzle for him, then then I'm really not sure. I know you did a, a couple articles last year uh, on the mm-hmm. blog about it. It may be like swing approach, but again, that wouldn't really yeah, po- point to the... The, big, the biggest um, mystery is that it was overnight. So like mm-hmm. pretty much instantly home runs shot up. I mean, not like a crazy amount, but they just, the the change happened instantly. And so like changes in swing approach or like uh, teams uh, selecting uh, different types of hitters or, Mm -hmm. you know, valuing them differently. That would be more of a gradual thing. And what happened before the season, most likely. This was like the middle of the season. Some people, uh, some commenters on the article were pointing (laughs) at global warming. (laughs) Mm. But again, that wouldn't make any sense. Clearly is a Trump-Obama thing. (laughs) <laughs> but I, this sort of stuff drives like the sabermetric community crazy because mm-hmm. like there just isn't random spikes you know like yeah we should be able to point to something and so far it's a puzzle yep all right uh my article this week uh is one of my own so nice press for time as i was cramming after the the wedding uh before we recorded today uh, my favorite post to write this past week was entitled Baseball is a Joke, the Best Comedian Baseball Bits. So uh, I enjoy comedians, uh, specific ones, not not all of them. But Do you have a favorite? Probably Gaffigan. Uh, and so I, I searched the internet earlier this week and found the best uh, comedian stand-up routines on baseball. And so the five that I had were Brian Regan, uh, George Carlin, who like compared football versus baseball, some old guy talking about the if you had to market baseball in today's world, how odd that would be. Bob Newhart, what's that guy's name? Uh, Key and Peele did a skit on uh, baseball hats, that was good. And then uh, Conan O'Brien did his 1864 baseball tribute. If you haven't seen it, you should uh, go watch it. Uh, so uh, I enjoyed all of those. But uh, today on the podcast, I want to play uh, small clips from two of those. First up is Brian Regan talking about uh, playing Little League baseball. Coach would yell from the dugout every now and then, you know, hey, guys, let's hear some chatter out there. Let's hear some chatter. What are we, rabbits? 
Might as well have been, you know. Chattering is saying, hey, batter, batter, over and over again. I don't think I ever felt like more of an idiot my whole life. Out in the field going, hey, batter, batter, hey, batter, hey, batter, batter, hey, batter, hey, batter, hey, batter, hey. Hey, batter, 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 hey. Hey, hey coach, is there a point to this? And as the ball got to him, we're all supposed to lean in and go, hey, batter, batter, swing. Like, he couldn't get a hit when he yelled that. Oh, swinging a... Do you hear what they yelled, coach? If that's fair, they should do that in all adult sports, you know? I'd like to see that out in the golf course. You know, hey, golfer, golfer. Hey, golfer, 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 putt, putt, golfer. It's right there, putt. What the hell's the matter with you, Ralph? And then the second clip I want to play is from Conan O'Brien's 1864 Baseball. If that was any lower, I'd have to dig to Hades itself to find the apple. Why not dig a trench? Then the ball would be as low as you seem to wish it to be. That was no strike. Nice for the cool breeze. It was most cooling on my mustache. Please, cool me again. Get it! Get it, you fool! I want a toy! Someone catch that spear! You ass! What's wrong with you? This one's for you now. All right, that was Out of the Box. Next up, TWTW. When you can put some of those categories, you know, you got your OBPS and all that and the VORPs, when they put in TWTW and then interface those numbers with TWTW under that category, then you might have something cooking. What, what, what TW is? Yeah, what is that? That's the will to win. So for uh, this week's TWTW, I want to talk about a new StatCast uh, statistic. Uh, it is called expected weighted on base average. Um, it's an enhancement of what was uh, on base average. And on base average, or abbreviated OBA, uh, is a kind of a catch all offensive stat. It's supposed to be a more precise measurement than like average or on base percentage would be. Um, think of maybe like a more uh, refined version of OPS. Um, but expected weighted on base average takes it a step further and is formulated using exit velocity and launch angle, two metrics that StatCast measures. And this is the first year for it. Um, so it's, you know, sort of measuring things that a player has in their immediate control as the, uh, like a more results-based measurement, like average or on-base percentage, things that would be dependent on fielders and the stadium you play in, that sort of thing. So just drilling down to how hard a ball is hit off a bat and what angle the ball is hit at, both things that a player can control. So looking at it this season, uh, the players who have made uh, the best contact and have the best launch angle and therefore have the best weighted or expected weighted on base average. Um, the top 10 here, uh, Freddie Freeman, Aaron Judge, Miguel Sano, Ryan Zimmerman, Bryce Harper, Yonder, Alonzo, Joey Votto, Paul Goldschmidt, Miguel Cabrera, and Corey Seager. Um, so some, some household names there. Uh, I thought the two interesting ones were or the three interesting ones were two, three, and four, Judge, Sano, and Zimmerman. 
their hot starts, uh, according to this stat at least, are not um, based on luck, but um, based on really hard contact and good launch angles. Um, so you can look for those guys to continue to stay um, or remain the, the best hitters in baseball. Uh, conversely, the worst, uh, we've talked about Alcides Escobar before, but he has been the very uh, worst at um, expected weighted on base average. Uh, you also have Byron Buxton, Ben Revere, Adam Rosales, Eduardo Nunez, and Kevin Kiermeyer. And then number eight on the list I mentioned earlier is Curtis Granderson. So those guys um, have had poor starts, but it's not based on just hitting balls right at guys or anything like that. It's based on not making solid contact and not having good launch angles. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I'll mention, the one really interesting piece about this is that you can sort of point out guys that, that have gotten unlucky so far this year by subtracting the expected weighted on-base average from just the regular on-base average. Um, so that list is Devon Travis, Miguel Cabrera, James McCann, Todd Frazier, and Nick Castellanos. Uh, those five guys. Uh, Who was, was the last guy on the list? Nick Castellanos. Uh, his brother played for U of I. Um, but those five guys, you can expect to have um, have good seasons because uh, the, the luck they've had so far this year uh, will will sort of turn around. Um, they're hitting the ball harder, and the, that should result in better results down the road. Interesting. So this is like saying, if you hit it hard with the right launch angle it should produce these results. That's right. kind of all you can do as a hitter. Right. Yep. Got it. All right. Well, that does it for TWTW. Next up, sounds of the game. And another overhand curve, very slow. So down goes Duda. That would be 11 strikeouts for Sandy Koufax, the ninth spot in the lineup of the Mets, three strikeouts. That was uh, Vince Scully in a game from last year, uh, and if you noticed, he uh, said um, Sandy Koufax had sh- struck out a batter, but that was actually Clayton Kershaw. So hmm. a little slip, um, kind of a cool moment when Scully, uh, in his old age probably, just slipped up and called Kershaw Sandy Koufax uh, during a game. All right, this week on the Sounds of the Game, I had said last week that I was going to do a follow-up on the 2005 NLCS, the Astros and the Cardinals, and I still want to do that next week, but I'm calling an audible uh, because uh, yesterday I was looking at Derek Jeter's best plays and I uh, just really wanted to um, kind of do a, a best of Derek Jeter Sounds of the Game segment. Researching him a little bit, he's, he's much better than people give him credit for. Like, you know, people, so many people say he's overrated that I think he's actually underrated. Hmm. You think, so his statistics, like personal stats are better than you would have Yeah, he's like top five in Yankees history in war, 71, um, which is definitely enough to get in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. 3,465 hits, 260 homers, 358 stolen bases, uh, lifetime on base percentage of 377. Mm -hmm. And I I tweeted this out from uh, Foot in the Box. Um, only five players have 250 homers on base of over 375 and more than 350 steals. Uh, did you see this sweet ball? Uh, I did not. Can you guess? Jeter's one of the five now. Can you guess the other four hmm. or anyone from that list? So it was really good on base percentage, really good, or 200, 200, decent power hitter. 200, at least 250 homers, at least 375 on, on base percentage, and 350 steals. Man. Um 
Ricky Henderson? Yep. Uh, Tim Raines? Nope. Good guess. <laughs> Give you one more guess. Ken Griffey? Nope. Uh, Joe Morgan, Barry Bonds, and Bobby Abreu. Wow. Yeah, Abreu is surprising. Yeah, they, that on-base on percentage is great. Um, mm-hmm. I think defense was the big thing, right? Like, Yeah. He was always considered a gold glove shortstop. but it's Probably overrated. Right. Mm-hmm. The teams he was on were very successful, uh, and that's probably why he got overrated and because he won them in New York. Um, he, His uh, first 12 years in the majors, he made the playoffs. His rookie year, they won the World Series. Uh, his second year, they made the ALCS, uh, lost to the Indians in um, 97. And then 98, 99, and 2001, back-to-back-to-back World Series. 2001, lost the World Series. 2003, lost the World Series. And then uh, didn't get back to the World Series until 2009 when they beat uh, the Phillies. Yeah. I read uh, uh, Mike Lupica wrote an article on MLB.com, and he called him the most important Yankee since Babe Ruth. Hmm. That's interesting. In my research, I discovered that uh, Mantle... Gehrig and DiMaggio were all amazing baseball players. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just kind of, you know, put them all together as like, oh, like, you know, overhyped the Yankees players. But if you look at their numbers, they were amazing. And a couple of them had their careers cut short by, you know, war service and mm-hmm. Lou Gehrig, his, his um, ailment towards the end of his career. I think Yogi Berra won something like 10 World Series in 12 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something crazy. Yep. So uh, Jeter made the playoffs 16 of his 19 seasons, uh, and the playoffs was was great as well. 308 a lifetime uh, playoff average and a 374 on base percentage in the playoffs. Two moments I'm going to play for you today. Um, the first one comes in 2014. It was his last Yankee Stadium at bat. And then the second clip comes from the 2001 ALDS, and this is the one uh, where he flips it. Against the A's. Uh, against the A's. And it's game three of the ALDS. So you might think, you know, it's not that big of a play. It's the division series. Uh, it's only game three. But the context is important. The Athletics were up 2-0 in that series. And this is the Moneyball, uh, like, era. Right. I think Moneyball was written about, like, the 2001 offseason into 2002. Yeah, so the, the, the Giants went and signed Jason Giambi from the A's. Not the Giants. Or the, the, Yankees. the Yankees, the Yankees went and signed him. Yeah, and the Red Sox signed Damon, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Athletics were up two zero in that series. Uh, game three was back in Oakland, and uh, the the game was one nothing in the bottom of the seventh. So it's just very important that the Yankees win this game and not not let that the run score. Jeremy Giambi uh, was the runner on the play. Um, so the Yankees ended up winning that series and then making the World Series and. Uh, they lost the Diamondbacks. But first up, the Yankee Stadium final at bat, and then the 2001 ALDS. Well, the script is there. The last page is in Derek's hands.
make deals. Base hits to right field. Here comes Richardson. Here's the throw for Marquez. Richardson is safe. Derek Jeter ends his final game with a walk-off single. Derek Jeter, where fantasy becomes reality. Did you have any doubt? stolen base the entire season so you're not going to run you're not going to hit and run you got to wait for a gapper that is fair down the right field line Giambi on his way to third and they're going to wave him around the throw misses a cutoff man shot into the plate out of the plate Derek Jeter with one of the most unbelievable plays you will ever see by a shortstop both cutoff men were missed Jeter coming down the line, fielded with his bare hand, a shovel to Posada, and Giambi is out. What an unbelievable play by Jeter. That was Sounds of the Game. Next up, a special uh, extended version of Baseball on TV. Specifically, I play shortstop for the New York Yankees. So we announced last week, uh, in case you missed it, that uh, May is Saturday Night Live month. So each week we're going to talk about one baseball um, figure hosting the show or a baseball-themed segment or so- something to do with baseball and SNL. Last week we did Bob Uecker from 1984. Fast-forwarding uh, 17 years to Derek Jeter in 2001. Uh, Jeter would have been 10 years old when Bob Uecker. Wow. So Jeter hosted on December 1st, 2001. At that point in his career, he would have been um, uh, 26, I think, if my math is correct, 26, 27. Uh, he had won Rookie of the Year and been to four All-Star games at that point. Had four World Series? He, uh, let's see. Yes, 96 and then... 98. 98 through 2000. Yep, that's right. Um, but they lost the World Series in 2001. Right. So this would have been just a month after that. And he struggled in the postseason that year. In the ALCS and World Series in 2001, he went 6 or 44. So not, not a good couple series for him. And uh, another interesting piece of context here, uh, 9-11 um, yeah. you know, happened in New York City. Uh, that happened just a, f- a few months before um this uh this Saturday Night Live and so it's crazy to me how fast uh people kind of move past mm-hmm. tragedies like that yeah and baseball was baseball and football had a kind of played a pivotal role in helping people mm-hmm. yeah yeah so baseball took a week off and so the playoffs were pushed back a week right and so that that was the first year that any World Series game had been played in, in November and so that's where Jeter got the name Mr. November he had a, a walk-off homer I think game four of the 2001 World Series. And there was also the, the famous 
President Bush pitch. That's right. Yeah, he threw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium. Have a couple different clips to play from uh, that episode of Saturday Night Live. Uh, two of them are <laughs> involving Derek Jeter, and the third one is one of my favorite SNL clips that uh, debuted during that Saturday Night Live. So first up, uh, this is Derek Jeter uh, dressed as a woman playing Alfonso Soriano's wife, and a group of Yankees wives are uh, watching the Yankees play. You guys, we've got a new Yankee. sat together. Oh, yeah, honey, we always sit here. We call it the cow pen because it's the ladies' bullpen. <laughs> we, uh, we have the best view of the game, and we can keep an eye on the female fans, make sure they don't get too close to our husbands, because I will kill them. I've dedicated 14 years to this marriage. I'm not going to let some bleacher slut okay, come Okay, in- Clarice, let's not spiral. <laughs> so tell us, how did you and Alfonso meet? It's the cutest, sweetest story, you guys. I was at Senior Frogs in Jamaica, and Alfonso was judging a bikini contest that I was in. And I went up to him, and I was like, you are the most beautiful man I've ever seen. And he was like, you're just saying that because I play for the Yankees. And I was like, you're right, I am. And we fell in love. Uh, How did you meet Roger? Oh, Roger, he was in an anger management workshop that I taught. Patrice, how did you and Bernie meet? Oh, Bernie was performing in a classical guitar recital in the Berkshires, and I was his page turner. We've been making beautiful music together ever since. Chuck and I met in high school. We've been together 14 years. You know, I tell him, you can be traded, but you can't trade your wife. (laughs) Just because you got four championship rings doesn't mean you can have sex with a waitress. Clarice! (laughs) No one wants to have sex with Chuck Knobloch. shouldn't say this, but I think Tina Martinez is super foxy, girl. I don't know. His wife tells me there's not much to work with. Yo, Tina was teeny. I don't believe that, because I've studied that bulge. You know, Jeter is the cute one. Jeter's where it's at. Jeter is caliente. Ooh, no. Jeter does not do it for me. He looks like if The Rock had sex with a Muppet. Oh, and then yeah, the second uh, clip we're going to play here is the famous Derek Jeter's taco hole, which has been a, mm-hmm. a, a kind of running joke in our family for quite quite a while. Uh, and then after the taco hole, we're going to play uh, Will Ferrell uh, doing an infomercial for dissing your dog. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, we'll link to it in the, the podcast episode page, but um, uh, we'll just let it speak for itself. So... Derek Jeter's Taco Hole, and then Will Ferrell uh, selling you uh, a product to discipline your dog. Hey, 
since I was six, and nothing has brought me more joy or more sheer frustration than training a puppy. With a very young pup, correcting problem behavior can be especially maddening. And like you, I've probably tried all the tricks. Screaming myself hoarse, starving them, locking them in a closet for days on end, or just beating them without mercy. But after my third arrest in court-ordered anger management counseling, I learned to channel my rage into an effective, non-violent puppy training tool. It's called dissing your dog. How to train your puppy with mockery and verbal humiliation. You see, dogs are much more intuitive than we give them credit for. They know when they're the butt of ridicule, and when they misbehave, a well-placed sarcastic comment or cutting remark can work wonders where a rolled-up newspaper fails. Whatever your puppy's behavior problem, I guarantee I can help you fix it. Problems like jumping on furniture. Oh, no, 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 Humphrey, don't get up. Why don't you just stay there and relax? After all, you did put in a long day of work at a demanding high-stress job. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's me. Now I remember. I'm the one with the job. You're the one who lies around the house all day in a pool of your own slobber. 
accidents in the house. Hey, Walter, thanks for your help with the new off-white sofa. Everybody agrees that dump you left there was the perfect accent. So good job. Oh, and by the way, Milton Burrow called. He wants his bladder control back. That's it. Good dog. Fussy eating habits. Oh, right, Margaret. You wanted prime rib. Here's the deal. The Palm wasn't taking reservations. Now, we want to try Morton's because I understand they have a new chef. So for now, let's just go with the Alpo, okay? I know it's not your first choice, but keep in mind, you're a f***ing dog. I'm so confident this program works, I want to send you volume one of the five-part series free of charge. Once you've seen it, I know you'll order the rest. Right, Murphy, you brainless sack of excrement? <laughs> She's being punished. To order Dissing Your Dog, dial 1-800-555-0199. Call today. Remember, there's one thing stronger than a dog's sense of smell. His sense of irony. All right, well, that does it for our podcast. A uh, couple items of note to close up. A uh, couple updates. The uh, first one is on our over-under game. Finally released our first uh, standings update. And Eric is leading. Uh, he played last year as well. So experience is key so far. Mm-hmm. It seems Results like. can fluctuate pretty drastically. <laughs> Obviously, yep. Uh, so if you're new to the podcast, at the beginning of the season, we always pick uh, against the over-unders, and then the team's uh, difference in win total is your score. So if the Cubs were over-under, you know, 92 wins, and uh, they are, are on pace for 85 wins, then it would be... a a negative seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they're on pace for 100, then you have a plus eight. And uh, so far, Eric is winning. Uh, I am doing well. I'm beating both Pakoda and Paul. Right. Uh, but we'll we'll keep track of that. Check it out at afootinthebox.com. But I am beating you <laughs> in another contest. Yeah, the more important contest. Yes, I moved to 4 0 last week. Peter has yet to win a game in our 2005 MVP baseball challenge. Um, the loser of that at the end of the season uh, gets a bumper sticker plastered on their car. Um, by the winner. Chosen by the winner, yes. And it has to be baseball-themed. There you go. Uh, yeah, I, I guarantee victory in Game 5. But I believe you called it a must-win. Oh, it is. Uh, I think in honor of Mother's Day, we don't play because our mother always harped on us for not... Or she harped on us for playing too many video games. She didn't want us to. So I say we abstain today. And uh, uh, we just take a week off. <laughs> okay. Mostly due to time. Wow. It's also honoring mother. Yes. It's our Mother's Day gift. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you can su- subscribe to our podcast on iTunes if you don't already. You can find us on Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Send us emails at afootinthebox at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at afootinthebox. And check us out online at afootinthebox.com. That's where you find all the links that we talked about from today's episode and then uh, any uh, writing that we do at uh, afootinthebox.com. I think that does it. Play anything else? Just a reminder to keep a foot in the box. Happy Mother's Day. We'll talk to you next week.